Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on go to Dobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Happy Hump Day. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And I guess, Michelle, good morning, first of all. Good morning to you, Randy. We're kind of on the roller coaster platform this morning, aren't we? We aren't going up. We aren't going down. We're just getting ready to get started again. That's right. It's neutral today. Yeah. But it feels... It feels good to be neutral it because does, we've yeah. been up and down. Our stomach isn't churning. But I do miss the drama a little bit. I do miss waking Whoa. up this morning and feeling great or disappointed. You are welcome to a double dose today then. That's right. I'm addicted to the drama of the Cardinals. <laughs> it is a toxic relationship. Michelle Smallman is addicted to adrenaline. And that's what you'll get today. After the Cardinals were rained out yesterday, they'll play a split doubleheader against the Reds at the Soso American Ballpark today. Miles Michaelis will pitch in the opener. He'll be opposed by Wade Miley, who's been great, 11-4 with a 2.74. And then in game two tonight at 540, Jay Happ will go for the Cardinals, and he'll be opposed by Sonny. Hey, Sonny, better pitch well tonight. Sonny Gray. <laughs> Is that from a movie I haven't seen? I don't think so. No, I just came, came up with that myself. Oh, okay, great. Sonny. I didn't know if that was a quote or something hey, that I didn't hey, know. Hey, Sonny. It's, it sounds like something a grand, an avuncular person in the South would say. Avuncular? Excellent yes. use of avuncular there. Somebody who is kind of like an uncle. Yes. See, I take Sonny as maybe East Coast. Hey, Sonny, let me tell you yeah. what's up. Yeah, sit it down, could be Sonny. Easily be a Jersey talk. thing, right? Yeah, for sure. That's where I get. That's what I think of when I think of Sonny. Meanwhile, the Cardinals are now behind not only Cincinnati and San Diego in the wild card race, but they're behind the Phillies by percentage points as well. Phillies sixty-eight and sixty-four after a win last night. The Cardinals are 67 and 63. And right now, Michelle, after the Padres win last night and the Reds being rained out, the Padres and the Reds are tied with identical 71 and 62 records. Great. Another team we need to pay attention to. Yeah, the Padres again. (laughs) They are back. Last night, the Dodgers knocked off the Braves 3-2. The Dodgers closing in on those Giants. The Padres, as we mentioned, with a 3-0 win over the Diamondbacks. By the way, uh, Snell was the winner and the former Cardinal farmhand Zach Gallen fell to two and eight for Arizona. The Phillies over the Nationals twelve to six, and then the really fun one of the day: the Mets over the Marlins in a doubleheader, uh, six to five and three to one. And Michelle, we talked on Monday about the thumbs down sign mm-hmm. from Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor. Well, they apologized for their thumb d- thumbs down sign, said they wouldn't do it again, and then 
in the bottom of the ninth inning with the Mets trailing in game one. Baez with an RBI single to draw the Mets within 5-4 and bring up Michael Conforto. And now Conforto, who has been as frustrated today as we have ever seen him, smashing his bat in the dugout after his last bat when he popped up with two men on. He gets another chance. Conforto's 0 for 4 today, 2 for his last 27. And Conforto slashes one the other way. Base hit! That ties the game! Alonzo in! Baez digging for third. It's kicked by Alfaro. Here comes Baez! Try to score! He scores! And the Mets win it! Turn those thumbs around! Javi Baez races home with a winning run! And the Mets win it 6-5! to five. <laughs> Emotions change in a hurry at City Field. I'm glad they were able to kiss and make up. Yeah, me too. <laughs> And that surprises me, too, because even though it was a dramatic way to win the game and fans are always going to react that way, I still thought you'd hear some boos maybe sprinkled in there because it was Javi Baez. But up until the ninth, you did until he did something. But even in that moment, I thought maybe there would still be some residual anger. But that's what happens. Sports, sports can take you to a different place and winning cures all. Turn on a dime, right? That's absolutely right. And Jeff Passan with a report in baseball last night, Michelle, that Major League Baseball sources are telling him that we may never see Trevor Bauer again after his legal issues in Southern California. We talked about this the day after he was initially suspended about whether or not we thought we'd ever see him in Major League Baseball again. And we both agreed that we didn't think we would it's just hard for me to imagine that a major league baseball team with what we know about trevor bauer and by the way he hasn't been charged with a crime but with we what we know about him and he didn't dispute it uh i I would think that it would be really tough from a public relations standpoint to put trevor bauer on a roster for sure um I think a lot of us are jaded when it comes to professional sports leagues doing the the right thing or doing the cautious thing even. Look at Deshaun Watson. We're still talking about teams potentially in the mix for trading for him. Different situations. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is usually most teams and leagues wait until there is a legal resolution in order to make a move when it comes to situations like this. And the fact that the Dodgers immediately took action and you didn't really, this is a a high, high caliber player. Mm -hmm. Normally things like this don't really happen, but that tells you what baseball and what the Dodgers think is the severity of the issue. And I think it, it certainly helps when you have concrete evidence, you have photographic evidence that really illustrates exactly what is being alleged from, from, uh, the victims here but yeah i don't think that we ever see him again speaking of deshaun watson the vote for our team name is still going on you have two hours to go to michelle smallman's twitter page at m smallman or you can go to mine and find it i've got a lot of stuff in between the vote though <laughs> but a lot of important stuff <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about that in a second but you can still vote on our team name for our big league impact fantasy team right now just the two of us leads by a commanding margin 56.7 percent uh to a legit to a quit is second at 19.7 percent to a fast to a furious is at 18 percent to the moon at 5.2 percent and we got an entry too late michelle that i was really disappointed that we didn't get and that is we're on to a cincinnati really good that's a really strong <laughs> we didn't get that one. submission man that's good so go to twitter and vote i'm shocked that just the two of us has pulled out to such a strong league 
Yeah, I am too. But it is the both of us doing it. It right. does make sense. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, speaking of doing the right thing, the NFL was in court yesterday with St. Louis. Yes. And they're, they're yeah, I don't know if they're trying or not. But the way things worked out, here what? Here's, legal, here. I'm trying to see over there. We got the legal pad out. Oh, yeah, you okay, got it. Okay, yeah, good, I, good, I, good. Here, good. Let, I want to know how many notes I took? Yeah, the official and notes. this is after I got thrown out of the room. I'll tell you what I'm saying <laughs> through. Uh, three, four full pages of notes on my legal pad, single space. Very good. Very uh, carry on. Proceed. The way things were set up was were that we had a change of venue hearing, and the NFL wanted that hearing close. And Robert Haar, their attorney, the NFL attorney, uh, cited confidential discovery that would be revealed in the change of venue arguments made by the NFL. He said pre-trial publicity would work against the National Football League. That's why they were asking for the change of venue. And he said that if we, the media, were in the room, and Ben Fredrickson, Joel Courier from The Post were there, Andy Banker from Channel 2, uh, a gentleman from... from uh, one of the news outlets, I think it was Bloomberg, I'm pretty sure it was. Anyway, he said that we being there and disseminating information would provide an undue risk that a public hearing would exacerbate. So we, we wouldn't want to do that to the NFL. Mm-mm. And so uh, ultimately, the judge, Christopher McGraw, determined that he would allow the NFL half of their argument. He would allow them to make their argument without the media in the room. And then when both sides were done with their arguments, he would allow us back in when he was asking questions of the attorneys. So we went out for about 45 minutes or so, and then we were called back in. And by the way, uh, one of the things that he, he, he said uh, the, the St. Louis side said was that this hearing does not go to the merits of the lawsuit, which is true. So the NFL concerned about a fair and impartial jury in St. Louis, and they decided that they wanted to have the hearing closed, and it was partially closed. So they reopened it about 45 minutes later. And the judge, Christopher McGraw, pointed out that to the attorney of the NFL, that the basis of the NFL's argument was the interest between city jurors, their interest in A, loss of jobs in the city of St. Louis, C, uh, B, civic pride, I'm going to take this A, B, C, C, economic development, and then as an addendum, damages that a St. Louis jury would provide. Uh, The NFL said, to paraphrase, that St. Louis jurors would feel the loss of jobs. They'd feel the civic pride. They'd feel the economic development, and that would help them make a judgment against the NFL in the case. The judge asked, well, what evidence do you have of that? Great question. Yeah. The NFL attorney said, well, the jurors will be told these things, and it's just a natural reaction when they're told these things as city residents. The judge said, well, I don't have any evidence of that. I I can't make a ruling like that if I don't have any evidence. This is just a paraphrase. Uh, And so Judge McGraw said, you want me to presume damages will be in their interest. The NFL attorney said, if it will enhance city coffers, paraphrasing, there's an interest that any city juror would have. 
Again, the judge came back and said, you're asking me to presume that they would have an interest that I don't know that they have and can't be proven. So they went back and forth and back and forth. And ultimately, this is the NFL being worried about dollars. The NFL attorney really had no good answer for what evidence do you have? And so the judge ruled in favor of St. Louis. No change of a venue. I th- and we've got more. We're going to talk about this coming up later in the hour. But I want to get one line in there that was the last line that the judge said. He said, to close out, I want to add this. The defense position is undermined by the approach they've taken in pretrial motions. In their arguments to leave, if they were abiding by, which they are saying they are, their own relocation guidelines, they said and they believe that St. Louis didn't care about having the Rams in St. Louis. Now they're saying that the city is so mad that jurors would want to punish the NFL. What is it? Mm-hmm. He didn't say, what is it? I'm asking, what is it? Correct. But that was his last line is now they're saying the city is so mad that they want to punish the NFL. So the, the city was so indifferent about football before that they wouldn't show up to games, which is part of the reason that the team left. But therefore, they got mad about the team not being here, even though they didn't care prior. And they're going to be vindictive in court if they're jurors. Doesn't add up to me, Randy. No, I thought that was a great point by Judge McGraw. And so the case will be heard in the city of St. Louis. We're closing in on jury selection soon, and the trial will start in January in the city of St. Louis. And later on, we, we want to hear from you, and you can start uh, sending in mic drops via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app right now. Could you, and you're, we know you're a sports fan because you're driving down the road and listening to us, but if you just hear the facts of a case, could you be an unbiased juror. I can tell you, Michelle, that I sit in these hearings and I listen to some of the NFL arguments and I say, no, interesting, good argument. Not all of them. I'm taking the preponderance of the evidence and I am biased, clearly. Clearly. Right? But I want to know if St. Louisans feel like, wherever they are, if you're a county resident, if you're a an Illinois resident, if, if what we are telling you on a daily basis about what's going on with these hearings, could you be an unbiased juror in the NFL court case? And we want your mic drops. We're going to have those coming up at the bottom of the hour here on 101 ESPN. I couldn't be neutral. I know that for sure. I could be unbiased. Um... I think a lot of sports fans would find it very difficult. I'm glad there isn't a camera on me. And I don't know if anybody's looking at me, but when the NFL, yeah, when, when the NFL attorneys say something ridiculous, I just put my head down and shake my head. Come on. I I, (laughs) I don't say it out loud. I just say to myself, come on. I'm surprised you're not having a gleeful smile. Well, some of the stuff, yeah. But uh, I told one of the attorneys uh, last week, I said, sometimes I just wish I could raise my hand and say, judge, no, that's not not right. (laughs) They're lying, judge. This is incorrect. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. One of our favorites of the week on Wednesday. It's Ask Uncle Randy coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. All right. It is time for Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Text in your questions about life in general. If you'd like to 
talk about relationships, if you'd like to talk about sports, your depression over dealing with uh, being a Cardinal fan all season long, whatever it might be, feel free to send in a text now to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, what do you got? From the 618, Uncle Randy, we are in search for a fantasy football punishment for last place. Previous years, the loser had to enter a parade with a sign and throw out candy, (laughs) Uh, stand at a four-way and ask for money, sign up to do the polar plunge. We're at a loss and we need and we need a new creative punishment. Do you have any suggestions? Those are pretty good. Well, the, the Ridge Show slash Fastlane idea of the airsoft gun is always effective and interesting. An airsoft gun shot to the butt is a good one. And I would suggest that one of the things that we have done here that was very funny is next year for the draft, have the loser have their thumbs tied or taped to their hands. Have have them have to do the draft without thumbs next year. (laughs) That's tough. You had to do a show without thumbs, and it was exceptionally difficult. But is that humiliating, though? That's more annoying. It's not humiliating, because it seems like all of these things were pretty public. Yeah, and... There's, you've come up with the best ones. The, the parade one was great. Uh, I guess the one thing that you could do is find, uh, get one of those uh, sandwich boards, and put on it. I am a fantasy football loser, and wear that sign at a really public place. I guess malls aren't very public anymore, are they? But you go somewhere where there's a lot of people. Go to a a Cardinal game or a Blues game with a sandwich board that says, I'm a fantasy football loser. Yeah, get your friend on the Jumbotron. Yeah. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, my birthday's coming up. My boys usually take me out of town for a Mizzou game. Mm. I have a choice of Tennessee, Kentucky, or Arkansas. What's the best choice? I would think that this year, and... They're, are they at Tennessee or home this year or home? I, I would pick Tennessee. Kentucky is their first road game, I believe, on the 11th. I, I would pick Tennessee. Arkansas is going to be miserable Thanksgiving weekend. You don't want to, you don't want to mess up Thanksgiving with a Thanksgiving trip to Arkansas. So you, I would pick Tennessee. That would be my choice. I would rather see Tennessee. I do think Mizzou can beat all three of those teams, and that would be my play. So you would choose a team that you think Mizzou could win against? I think they can win against all three of those. But would if you knew that Mizzou was going to get smoked, but the no. environment would be if, awesome, you would still choose the environment? No. If you have an opportunity to go and watch them play at – I've seen them at Georgia, LSU, and Alabama, and I knew that they were going to lose all three. I, I would pick one of those three over anything right. that L, the East has to offer. Okay, cool. Um, let's go down here. We're getting so many that – they're popping up. Okay. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, my 30th birthday is on the 24th. I want to have friends and family over to my newly finished basement. Good. But I'm not sure if my wife has something else planned. She always does. How do I bring this up knowing she probably already has something in the works? Okay. Big birthday. What I would say is, hey, is it okay if I have friends and family over for my birthday? And if she says no... Say, well, what about another day that weekend? See if you can do both. If she has something special planned for you on your specific birthday, she doesn't have to tell you what it is. Just say, just ask her, is it okay if I have a party at our newly finished basement on my birthday? And if she says, no, 
say, well, what about a weekend day that's not my birthday? And see if you can get that. Get, have the fa- family and friends over on a day that's not your birthday that is adjacent to your birthday and get the best of both worlds. Yeah, just ask. Yeah, that's all you have to do. Right? Okay. She doesn't have to tell you what it is. She can just say, no, I'd prefer not. And then you say, well, what about another day? That's what I would do. Because the surprise, she might not yeah. want to ruin it. Because I was thinking maybe say, oh, all my boys are asking, you know, and I would love to show them the new basement. Is that cool with you, honey? Like everyone's asking, what do I tell them? But then if she already has something in the works, yeah. she's going to know that they're not asking. Right. So, th- But there will be another day. There's plenty of days to have. Uh, we, don't, we don't have his name, do we? No. Oh, but whatever. If it's uh, Steve, Steve Palooza, have, have a birthday <laughs> week. Okay. Here's another one about asking or uh Directly communicating with the spouse. Okay. From the 573, Dear Uncle Randy, we're having our bathrooms remodeled and the master bathroom in our bedroom design that my wife is putting together mm-hmm. is hideous. Do I let her go with it or do I tell her my opinion? Totally let her go with it. That is one fight that is just not worth fighting. She is, she likes that best, clearly. She's thought about it. She hasn't gone into this without a level of thought. And you're a guy. And you might think it's hideous for a couple of weeks, but then it just kind of becomes white noise when you walk in there. You don't see anything. You won't see the tile. You won't see the color of the counter. You'll go in and you'll see the sink and you'll be looking down in the sink and in the mirror and shaving. You'll get into the shower and take your shower. You are not going to care about the accoutrements. You're not <laughs> going to care about the, the color, uh, the schemes, the anything in that bathroom after two weeks. I promise you. And you're also assuming that you have better taste than your wife because what you think is hideous might be very stylish and look sensational to a lot of other people you don't know. But it is your bathroom. That's that's where you're yeah. living, though. My so that matters. personal view of these things is that I don't know what great is and I don't know what hideous is now. I know some things that are hideous. I was telling Michelle yesterday, we looked at a house when we were younger that was an homage to Elvis Presley. (laughs) And there was an an Elvis Presley toilet cover. That's probably pretty hideous. So I I would hope your wife isn't doing that. But that's something that you deal with. And then when it comes time to redo the man cave, she's got no say. You say, I give you the bathroom. I'm doing the man cave. In no disrespect to the king, but I don't think that's where you want to go for no, your bathroom design. Not on the throne. That's right. <laughs> king on the throne, though. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay, from the 314, simple. Dear Uncle Randy, how long until you ask a girl to be your girlfriend? I think, and I would like to get some input from others here. I think this is kind of an organic thing. Now, how long until you decide to be exclusive if you think you're exclusive and she's not i would say a couple of months two months and say hey this is getting pretty serious for me i'm not planning on dating anybody else do we want to want this to be an exclusive relationship i would say that would be good what do you think? I think it's different for every couple. Some couples that just... They know right away. And they know right away. Other people, it takes longer to figure that out. And, and many, you don't even have to ask. That's right. But if you, if you are wondering if she thinks that it's exclusive, and you're wondering if you should ask her to be your girlfriend, clearly 
there's been signs that you don't know if she feels the same right. way. And that's why you have to tell her how you feel. You say, hey, I, I feel strongly about this and I would like this to be exclusive. Now, let's point this out. If you are 13 or 14 and you're just starting school, you're, you're in junior high, mm-hmm. and you're asking me how long to ask her to be your girlfriend, two weeks. Maybe less than. Slip her yeah, a note. Right. Do kids still write notes or is it just text? No, I think, yeah, texts probably. That's so anticlimactic. You get hundreds of texts every day. It was so rare that you would get the note slipped to you on your desk, maybe popped in your locker. Do you want to be my girlfriend? Check one. Yes, no, maybe. So perhaps in 2021, the note is the play because somebody's not going to say, oh, I get so many notes, I missed it. You can say, (laughs) I get so many texts, I missed it. Sure. So use the note. Go back to use the pencil or paper. And like Michelle said, just two boxes, yes or no. Do you want to be my girlfriend? Yeah, don't throw maybe in there. Don't give her that option. No, because here's the thing. Regardless of how old you are, 12, 13, 14, 40, 45, 50, you've got enough friends. So we, we don't need any maybes here. You're, you're either going to have this be a relationship or you're not because you, you've got enough friends. You don't want to be just friends. That's true. Also, whether it's my significant other designing a bathroom I don't like or me wondering if we're exclusive, I think direct communication is always the best option. Yes, it is. You know, if this person is somebody that is supposed to be on that level for you, that you care about them that much, you should be able to express how you feel and want to make sure that everyone is on the same page. Right. Now, that being said, communication is important, but I'm bathroom decor is not a hill I'm going to die on. <laughs> that's true. But if you express that you don't like it and you know it's not changing, that's a hill you don't want to die on. But you should at least maybe bring it up, right? Emily, what do you got for us? Does a girl become your girlfriend when you buy her a microwave? That's from the 618. Uh, no, that's well past being yeah, girlfriend. That is, yeah, that is locking it up. That's like engagement, we're, yeah. That's where we're going to the chapel and we're getting yeah. married. Yeah. So here's the thing. If you like it, then you should have put a microwave on it. (laughs) Amazing. Um, And and true. So here's something from the 636. My son is desperately trying to Snapchat the girl that he likes and say, this is a whole nother world for us because we're talking about notes. We're talking about just Mm -hmm. write the note, drop it in her locker. That's not how kids communicate these days. They Snapchat. They throw the weird filter on, type the text in. Snapchats are not, not a bad way to go either. Now, the problem is, is that you need the other person to be receptive to said Snapchat. So if he's desperately trying, I wish him luck. But man, that could be a bummer if she declines every time, right? Also, Snapchat goes away. Yeah. So what if she accidentally opened it and then didn't get to read the text and then she doesn't have it? Go with the note. It's tangible. Yeah. The good recommendation for the kid. And then say, it's vintage. (laughs) Yeah. And everybody likes vintage. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Is that it? Are we getting it? Okay, I'll give you one more. Okay. From the 618. Dear Uncle Randy, I just got engaged and I'm planning to get married late next year. Congratulations to the 618. My awesome future father-in-law stated he's happy to help us pay for a good part of the ceremony and reception. We don't have a ton of money, so the kind of wedding and reception that we would have would be dependent on what he graciously gives. How do I bring this up in conversation with him? I think, once again, Michelle, it's incumbent upon you to ask a question. It's, it's a simple question. What kind of wedding do you think we should have? And let him guide you, because he is essentially financing it, which is a wonderful tradition. Better tradition if you have all boys. 
but <laughs> I, I would ask him. So what what kind of wedding are you thinking about? That and let him determine that, and uh, let him decide the the level of gratuity that he would like to provide you. That is such a tricky situation because yes, you want to make sure that all the parameters are ironed uh-huh. out before if he is writing the checks. You certainly don't want to go over budget or nope. or abuse that in any way, but also then you're deferring to him. Right. But if you do wedding. if you do want something bigger, then you can have his limits and then take out a loan and don't go overboard, but take out a loan so that you can get it to where you and your bride really want it. I do have this recommendation, though. I think a lot of times, and I don't think it happens with guys nearly as much as it happens with women. I think women are much more focused on the wedding than the marriage. And so uh, this is just me, my opinion. I don't think a $50,000 or a $75,000 or $100,000 wedding day would be as valuable as buying putting a down payment on a house. Mm-hmm. I, I think looking ahead to the marriage is more important than the actual wedding. True, but somebody's got to be focused on the wedding or else it's not going to happen. Oh, I'm just talking about the expense of the wedding. True. So if the father-in-law is willing to spend 30000 and the bride wants a $60,000 wedding, would I rather spend that thirty grand looking forward to the marriage and buying a house and stuff for the house, or would I rather spend it on the wedding day? I'd rather spend it on the marriage rather than the wedding. Also, if this is your father-in-law, I'm sure your fiance will be having a lot of these conversations. True. Yeah, right. and that's daddy's little yeah. girl. Yeah. So, so you but, sit in on it. Obviously, it's your wedding, both of you. But I'm sure she's going to be leading a lot of those discussions. No, it's her family. Right. But I would, I, I would say we really do appreciate what you're doing for us with the wedding next year. We want to know what you're thinking in terms of a wedding because here's kind of what we were thinking. And see see if you guys are on the same page. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. And thank you very much for your texts. I love helping you kids out. You know that. And I even get asked Uncle Randy's on Twitter now and then. Do you? Yeah. Well, I just want, very quickly from okay. the 314, my fourth grader was listening. He says they still use notes. First of all, shout out to all the fourth graders tuning yep. in on your thank way to you school. Thank you very much. Study hard today, kids. But I'm glad that they're still using notes out there. Me too. Yeah, that is a, it's an old school, effective approach. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Emily is here. Coming up, could you abide by the law and be an unbiased juror in the St. Louis case against the NFL? We want to hear your mic drops. We want to get your texts next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The NFL lawsuit against uh, St. Louis lawsuit against the NFL continued yesterday with the judge denying a request for a change of venue by the NFL. The NFL arguing that they would not be able to impanel an impartial jury because St. Louis people, people in the city of St. Louis would be concerned about civic pride, about the loss of jobs that occurred with the departure of the Rams, economic development in St. Louis. And they're also concerned about the level of damages that 
that a St. Louis jury would provide St. Louis. So the question of the day is, and be honest about this with your mic drops, and we're going to revisit this at 9 o'clock, too. So your mic drops are welcome on the Rhino Shield mic drop, or you can text us 65780. The NFL doesn't think that they would be able to impanel an impartial jury in St. Louis. As an observer of this case, could you listen to the facts and leave out the idea of civic pride or the loss of jobs in the city or economic development and just abide by the law to make a decision as a juror? Michelle, I would think that the I know too much. I don't think that I could be impartial because I just know too much. And, and I'm emotionally involved. Same. Emotionally involved. Well, but I think a lot of the emotion comes from the fact that the things that were being said about our city are categorically false. Right. And the things that were being used as the argument as to why the Rams should leave St. Louis were incorrect. So I think that's where the emotion comes from, because we are trying to deal in fact— when it comes to the stuff about the lease or when it comes to certain things about our city, we're not. Uh, yeah, it's almost like we can talk bad about it, but you can't. But the things that they were saying weren't even in that category. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't even about the crime that we deal with or things like that. It was about people not showing up and about support for the team, which is just inaccurate. Yeah. And as a note, I will pass this along. The NFL, this lawsuit has nothing to do with the lease. Everything in this lawsuit is from July or January 12th of 2016 forward. Mm-hmm. Has nothing to do with before January 12th of 2016. The lease, the dome, improvements to the dome. Uh, the NFL lawyers said that there was a breach of the contract of the lease. There wasn't. Uh, the the th- There were stipulations in the lease, but the lease was never breached. And it's like these attorneys are grasping at straws, trying to figure out ways to make this case something that it isn't. And once we get to trial, I would think that they'll be admonished if they start talking about the lease, because it really has nothing to do with this case. But I, I'm just intrigued by the way people feel about it. We get so much reaction, uh, both on Twitter and here on the text line. So I'd like to hear from folks whether or not they think they could be impartial here. Well, here's one from the 314. Yes, I could be impartial because we as a city want justice, not revenge. I agree with that. And if you just listen to the facts of the case and you are cold and impartial, I believe that justice will show that St. Louis was done wrong. That's my opinion. But I'm trying to figure out how the NFL can win this thing. But we're also, again, coming from a, a biased perspective. Yeah. From the 573, I think I could be a fair and impartial juror. While I do believe the NFL's corruption will come to light in this case, I am receptive to learn what the city of St. Louis could have done differently or better in the situation. And that's what the NFL is going to have to show. They're going to have to show that they didn't use their guidelines because St. Louis had no chance to make this right. And the charge of the St. Louis group will be to show that they did abide by the relocation guidelines, that stadium was actionable, and there was no good reason for the owners to allow the Rams to move. From the 636, no, I couldn't be unbiased because I want to watch them burn. Hashtag (laughs) just win, baby. There you go. Yeah, I I can't disagree with that at all. I think that's a really good approach to take, and I'm kind of proud of you. 
Oh, by the way. Just win, baby. <laughs> That's right. From the 636, I know I could be fair as a juror. I'm an HR professional, and I have to make fair decisions regularly, even if my personal opinion is different. That's what we need. That's what we need in the jury box. Well, that's what they need in the jury box. Yeah. It's but not necessarily what I need. <laughs> I, no, but I do think if you see the facts, if you're an HR person and you just deal in cold, hard facts, then I don't think St. Louis needs to find an impartial or a partial jury. I think an impartial jury will be just fine. I, I think, by the way, and you and I have talked about this off the air, I think the NFL needs a partial jury. I agree. Um from the 636, I couldn't have been impartial five years ago, but now I absolutely could. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of people that in the immediacy of the decision were so angry and so hurt that they could have never uh, pushed those feelings aside to come to the table with an unbiased opinion. But I think now I know my feelings towards the Rams aren't as severe as they were before. Mm-hmm. But I, I wonder, though, if listening to all the facts be laid out in a court of law, if those feelings could arise again, though. And that's where the NFL is going to get in a tricky position if any of these people are sports fans. My emotions have cooled to the point where, like I said, I do try to listen and provide the benefit of the, of the doubt to the league attorneys. I'm obviously on St. Louis's side, but when I listen, when I go into that courtroom, and Michelle, I'm taking notes, so I can't be emotional. Right. I'm really cold and calculated when You're I'm listening in. to this. Yeah, which is surprising, Randy, that you could be cold and calculated in that moment because I would well, imagine those feelings were still present. Okay, I'll admit there's an eye roll or two. Yeah, come on. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Come on. But even when you are very focused on the task at hand, there's still eye rolls that creep yeah, in. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is going to be difficult for them. All right, from the 757, Randy Michelle, party outside the co- courthouse in January. Let's go. Tailgating, yep. Well, again, though, this same text from the 757, I could not be impartial. I'm still seeing red. Well, that's... That's completely reasonable for the way that we were treated. No doubt about it. Hey, we've got more texts coming your way, and we do want to hear from you with mic drops at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. But coming up next, we have a little edition of Take It or Leave It. I might have my best Take It or Leave It ever coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Our text line 65780, Michelle, Randy, and Emily for Take It or Leave It. And Michelle, an auction has been put up that features a pair of personally worn, according to the description, pair of Michael Jordan's boxers. Oh. An auction insider told Page Six that Jordan's shorts were regularly worn by Michael and showed signs of heavy use and that the shorts are part of a sale of many other Jordan belongings that include... Coats, suits, ties, and golf clubs that once belonged to Michael Jordan. The blurb also says that this item is about as close to greatness as one can get. The early bid is $500. Take it or leave it, you would spend money on a pair of Michael Jordan's worn underwear. Leave it. I'm going to leave it. You don't collect stuff. Come on. That's not fair. I also don't need anyone's used, Michael Jordan or not, used briefs, you said? Yes. I don't need those. (laughs) They're up for auction. Now, I will add this. Also. A little addendum. Okay, yeah. They do have a dry cleaning tag on them. Okay, so um, (laughs) is there uh, any sort of evidence to the 
presented heavy usage? How do I know? Especially that's if it's been me. dry cleaned afterwards. Yeah. Signs of heavy use. That, that's troublesome. Heavy use? <laughs> 500 bucks already? For a Michael Jordan underwear pair. Yeah. And so this is, you know, <laughs> we're getting into... <laughs> don't even know where to go with this one. However, Jordan brand, by the way. Jordan brand underwear. Oh, okay. Well, jump, that's they've cool. got the Jumpman logo on them. So you can Jumpman with yeah. those? So, um, but isn't that kind of counterintuitive? If you're saying there's been some heavy use here, a lot of times when you buy vintage clothes, they're, they're worn in. They haven't mm-hmm. been dry cleaned. When you dry clean something, the chemicals get in it so it doesn't feel as soft or there there it doesn't feel like there's been heavy use maybe there's this is a don't be grossed out dry cleaning i appreciate that (laughs) but i'm also saying that maybe you shouldn't promote it as heavy use i'll just go with the golf clubs thanks would you get up no no chance i i wouldn't even buy one of his suits or ties but i would i would put a bid on in on his golf clubs you have to really love Michael Jordan. Big time. Really like love in him. Like in a sick way. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's the only thing you could afford from the auction. Well, that could be. But there will be somebody that buys these and sniffs them. Oh, God, Randy. There will. I'm just telling you. It's a fact. If you spend that much money on them, I guess you could do it. Yep, exactly. You want. Yep. Oh man. Hey, we had Trevor Bauer do what he did. We could have uh, people do this for five hundred bucks. <laughs> I'm not even putting those in the uh, same category. Told you. Told you it was the the best take it or leave it I ever had. Uh, okay. Well, uh, take it or leave it. The Cardinals sweep the Reds today and, gonna, and sweep the series. I'm going to leave it. Hard to sweep a doubleheader. Hard to sweep a Reds team that's pretty good. So I'm going to leave it. I don't know. I'm feeling good today. I'm feeling good today about this team. Mm. This okay. is what happens. You, we talked about the pendulum yep. riding high. We've got Michaelis. We've got uh, a day off, Hap. a little rest. Yep. It was storming there. You know, maybe they got some good thunderstorm sleep. Yep. Two seven inning games. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. Emily, what do we have on the text line? From the 314, Cronky owned Arsenal are winless through three games instead at the very bottom of the English Premier League. Oh, no. Take it or leave it. Arsenal getting relegated by season's end would be a nice bonus to the St. Louis NFL settlement. Yeah, that would be a nice bonus. I'd feel horrible for the legions of Arsenal fans because that's an iconic franchise. But I think it would be interesting. He's the worst owner. Yeah, he's really bad. I. It's amazing that all of the fan bases hate him with such a passion. Yeah, well, and it's not just in London. It's not just in St. Louis. I oftentimes get stopped in Los Angeles, and they'll go, "Are you that guy? You holes go back to St. Louis." So it's really across the spectrum of the places where he owns teams. From the 314, take it or leave it. There will be two teams from last year's NFL playoffs who won't make it this year. NFL. Yes, NFL. I'm going to take that. There's turnover in the NFL. Yeah, there will be too. at least two, probably more. From the 618, take it or leave it, Hap and or Lester will return next year as Cardinals. And or, I'll take it, because that means it could be one. Who would, If you were going to take one, who would you take? I, w- I think I would open that conversation with Hap. I would, too. And a lot of people around the ball club 
like the idea. He's been really good, and you need insurance anyway. Mm-hmm. I would take that. I, I would think that the Cardinals would do that and would be smart to pursue Hap. And depending on what you see from the last six weeks from Lester, he said after his start in game one of the series that he found something. He made okay. adjustments that were difficult for him to make. Maybe he's found the fountain of youth, like Adam Wainwright. Maybe, I was just going to say, let's circle back to Michael Jordan, like Mike's secret stuff. Maybe Adam Wainwright has just given them the tools. That might be. To longevity. A lot of it is, I have to believe, with Adam Wainwright is mental. Yeah. And he's just so relentlessly positive. He is, if you could pick a team where there's a singular guy that's the reason a team is in the race, I would say Adam Wainwright would be the one in Major League Baseball. For sure. From the 618, take it or leave it, Arenado talks Trevor's story into coming to St. Louis. So I'll take it. Oh, I'll definitely take that. I think they've had that conversa- conversation multiple times when the Cardinals played the Rockies, All-Star game. You know that they have talked about that. Now, can he talk the Cardinals into getting into that sweepstakes? That I don't know. Yeah. Story and Arenado visiting Matt Holiday this winter will be really fun. It'll be great to make a Netflix documentary about it. About them hanging out, yeah. The path for Trevor Story and, to and St. Louis, love and ball, yeah. You know, sitting there and watching Matt Holiday's kids take BP, and then Arenado and Story giving them tips, and just great. All right, we got one more. Sure. From the three one four, take it or leave it. Cam Newton gets picked up by Houston. I'm gonna leave it. Do you think he gets picked up by anyone? I don't think so. Ron Rivera has ruled him out in Washington. Now, this is before there are any injuries. I was going to say, I would wait until some, maybe week two or three, and then we can revisit this conversation, because I think if someone gets injured, that would be an alluring thing to have Cam Newton out there. Right. And by all accounts, Bill Belichick liked him. I think it'd be interesting. Now, I don't think the Texans will do it. They've got Tyrod Taylor. And they're going to go down the line with him. I don't really know if the Texans, A, want to win, or B, have any idea how to do it. Both valid questions. Yeah. And wouldn't it be weird to have Cam Newton on your active roster and Deshaun Watson just kind of hanging out? Yes. (laughs) Crazy. Weird world we live in. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thank you very much for your texts as well. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 803 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler and a lot of guests today. Mike Kelly in just a few minutes. We're also going to talk to uh, Mike Weiss from Bomberito. And, well, he's actually from Big Shark Cyclery. A lot of great cycling taking place over Labor Day weekend. Adam Wainwright at the bottom of the 9 o'clock hour. But right now, time for an early edition of... You're killing me, Smalls. So the rumors about Deshaun Watson and the Dolphins. The streets had been talking, that's right, that the Dolphins were interested in making a deal with the Texans to acquire Deshaun Watson. We played the sound yesterday of Brian Flores, the Dolphins head coach, initially addressing those comments. And he said that the Dolphins really like players with high character to be in the building. Well, a report from Jeff Darlington comes out that yesterday during a team meeting, Brian Flores addressed the recent reports about Deshaun Watson with his team, telling his players and staff that Tua Tunga-Vailoa is, quote, our quarterback in what Darlington describes as a brief but 
poignant message. Flores wasn't overly expansive in his comments, and he didn't get into specifics with his teams as it pertains to the Dolphins' interests or talks with Watson. But he did iterate that Tua Tungavailoa is, quote, our quarterback. It's my quarterback. That's our quarterback, according to B-Flow. And, and this is behind closed doors. That is a good move. And I don't know how you go back on that, Michelle. If you're telling your team, if you're telling your final 53 that Tua is our quarterback, and that's clearly a reaction to the rumors about Deshaun Watson being out there, then you really look bad as a head coach. If Even if the owner brings in Deshaun Watson, don't you think? If, if you're telling these players... Essentially, you're, you're, when you're saying that's our quarterback, you're saying that's our leader. That's the guy that I want you to follow. Exactly. And if somebody else is in at the end of the week, that really does undermine Brian Flores. Well, they open the season September 12th at New England. You've got 11 days to get this group of guys ready to go, ready for that game. And I would imagine that you want to make sure that they're not focusing on any outside noise. And that to your point, Randy, they realize that Tua is the guy and that they all need to fall in line with him. By the way, we are a society of microwave and recency bias. Remember how good Tua Tagovailoa was? Yes. That the the Dolphins were accused of tanking for Tua. That's right. So that they could get him. If he's healthy, he's pretty darn good. Now I don't know where the hip is. I don't know how healthy he is. But everybody seemed to agree after one game of his freshman year, the championship game, that he was going to be a great pro. And that changed because of a hip injury and a normal rookie year. I'm willing to, if I'm the Dolphins and as a Dolphin fan. Because we are, after all, a Dolphin show. That's right. I'm willing to take a look at what he's got to offer. So am I. And it isn't just snap and the rookie quarterback is going to be a star. In some cases, it happens. It's very rare that that happens. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there is a growth period. Sometimes a player needs to calibrate. It's very difficult, even if you are a quarterback at Alabama, to jump into the NFL and be a star immediately. There's a lot of outside circumstances that are coming your way. And uh, you mentioned Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owners. There had been some rumors that Stephen Ross might be the one that's that's pulling the rope in the Deshaun Watson conversations. But in this same report from Jeff Darlington, he says that another team source said that owner Steve Ross has not shown any interest in trading for Watson. Contrary to other reports, Ross, the source says has been supportive of Tua and would leave the evaluations of the quarterback up to Flores. That's a good thing. We should note, by the way, when you talk about how hard it is for young quarterbacks in 1998, a guy named Peyton Manning, Threw 26 touchdown passes in his rookie year and had a league-high 28 interceptions. Hmm. Even the best. And Tom Brady, Tom Brady threw for 145 yards in Super Bowl 36. He was not, they, they didn't win that game because of Tom Brady. And in that rookie year, let's see, a dozen interceptions. And then he threw 14 interceptions in his first full year as the starter. So... Even the best guys get off to, uh, unless you're Dan Marino or Ben Roethlisberger, even the best guys get off to relatively slow starts at that position. Yeah, things turned out well for old Peyton. Yeah, they did. He was pretty good. Pretty good. You're killing me, Smalls. So, Randy, um, on Sunday after the Bryson DeChambeau-Patrick Cantlay playoff in the BMW Championship, a fan said to Bryson DeChambeau, he said, great job, Brooksy, which is something that Bryson DeChambeau has been dealing with, fans heckling him, calling him Brooksy in response 
to the Brooks Kepler, Bryson DeChambeau uh, beef, if you will. And Bryson DeChambeau swore in response to that he wasn't pleased with the fan that was mocking him. Well, fans need to make sure that they're not doing this anymore because golf has come out and said that they're not going to tolerate this anymore. So PGA Tour chief Jeff Monahan had this statement yesterday. He said, by coming to a PGA Tour event, you're expected to contribute to a welcoming and safe environment by refraining from and reporting any unsafe, disruptive, or harassing behavior. Comments or gestures that undermine the inclusive and welcoming nature of the game will not be tolerated, nor will any harassment of players, caddies, volunteers, officials, staff, or other spectators. Bad actors could be removed from an event. Good move on the part of golf. Golf is supposed to be a gentleman's and gentlewoman's game, and it's not supposed to include heckling like that. I am interested that Bryson DeChambeau, who wants to be a nice guy, has such a thin skin. I don't think that that's necessary from him. When somebody called him Brooksy, all he had to do is say, hey, Brooksy isn't here. I've been here all weekend. Brooks, I, I just played in a six-hole playoff for the championship. Brooksy isn't here. You well, got he, the wrong guy. He couldn't have responded. Yeah, just keep walking. Right. Right. You mean to tell me that Tiger Woods never dealt with any comments from fans in the gallery? Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, you you mean to tell... Georgia. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you mean to tell me that other golfers haven't dealt with this before? It's just surprising to me that golf would take such an extreme measure to say that they could remove fans from an event for calling Bryson DeChambeau Brooksy. It well, sounds to me by calling him Brooksy, it's all in good fun. It, it, if, if I'm golf, I like that this beef is such a thing that it's causing fans to react to it because it's getting more people to talk about our sport. And yes, you, of course, want to protect your players. And if that's something that he can't handle well, you need to address it. But I don't know. Sports are supposed to be fun. And it's, it's not like he was calling him a derogatory name. I was, listening, <laughs> I, I was listening listening to PGA Tour Radio mon- Monday, and the person that was actually on the grounds with them inside the ropes said there were a, a lot of curse words used against Bryson DeChambeau. That it, it sounded like a pro football game. It wasn't, according to this person, oh, you know who it was? It was Michael Collins. Oh, great. And he said that, he would not have wanted to have his kids there hearing what Bryson DeChambeau heard. So it's more than Brooksy. Yes, it is. You're killing me, Smalls. So we talked a lot about the Mets and some of their players, including Javi Baez, giving the thumbs down to the fans. They didn't like that they were getting booed. Well, the Mets were back at home last night versus the Marlins. They rallied in a ninth inning comeback, and here's what happened at the end. And now Conforto, who has been as frustrated today as we have ever seen him, smashing his bat in the dugout after his last bat when he popped up with two men on. He gets another chance. Conforto's 0 for 4 today, 2 for his last 27. And Conforto slashes one the other way. Base hit! That ties the game! Alonzo in! Baez digging for third! It's kicked by Alfaro! Here comes Baez! Try to score! He scores! And the Mets win it! Turn those folks around! So there's two 
concurrent storylines here. One, that it was Javi Baez that scored the <laughs> run and that Mets fans did not boo him. They cheered for him. But after the game, there was some more drama, Randy. So a search party was <laughs> they gathered on the field because there was a piece of jewelry. It was a it was an earring that Javi Baez lost during his slide across home plate, a diamond earring. And a ton of people were looking for this, including team president Sandy Alderson, grounds crew, security staff they were all searching for this earring i have not found anything that says that they found the earring but sandy alderson did abandon the search after just a few minutes but the fact that even in that moment that should just be about celebrating and the fact that he it seems like javi baez made up with the fans he loses a piece of jewelry kim kardashian style Mm -hmm. and they have to go search for it i wonder how much that earring cost it was probably very expensive yeah and so the moral of the story is don't wear jewelry while you're playing baseball and even when you have the president of baseball operations out there trying to find it, there's no guarantee that you're going to. But I appreciate that Sandy Alderson is not too big to go out there and search oh. for Javi Baez's jewelry. Especially after he had to have a meeting with him That's and say, right. hey, don't do the thumbs down to our fans. Right. And of all people, where's Javi? Why isn't he out there looking That's for this? Great point. Yeah. What a story. Yep. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next, Mizzou will open up their season on Saturday, 3 o'clock game against Central Michigan. The voice of the Tigers, Mike Kelly, joins us to preview that one next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Eli Drinkwitz and Mizzou open up their season on Saturday at Faroe Field. Three o'clock game against the Chips of Central Michigan. And we get a chance to talk to the voice of the Tigers, Mike Kelly, who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Michael, it's always great to hear your voice. How are you doing this morning? Randall, I'm fine. I hope you're doing well. Everything is great here. And we might not remember this, but this will be Eli Drinkwitz's first non-conference game as the head coach of the Tigers. How interesting is that? Yeah. Uh, Dave Matter, the Post-Dispatch, pointed that out to uh, to drink yesterday during his during his news conference, which was also the first time that, uh, you know, for a for a preseason or for the for the opening game of the year, you actually get a chance to see the coach in person. So, uh, yeah, we're 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 living in a different time as opposed to last year. So he'll, he'll tee it up uh, coming up on Saturday. Well, Mike, what are you expecting out of this game between Mizzou and Central Mich- Michigan? Because Jim McElwain certainly knows the SEC. You know, Michelle, I expect them to put the ball on the tee. I expect them to put a foot into the ball to kick it to the end. No, I'm just I'm, <laughs> I'm being goofy. You know, uh, honestly, Jim McElwain, former SEC coach of the year, um, you know, was at Florida. Uh, I think he's 18 games over 500 during his coaching career. Um you know, he'll have a team that won't be afraid. I mean, I guarantee you that. I mean, you know, you look at their five and five in their last 10 uh, road openers and they've, they've beaten the likes of uh, Iowa in 12, Purdue in 14, Oklahoma state in 16, Kansas in 17, and then beat Northern Illinois last year. So, um, you know, coach McElwain, I think of the Chippewas ready to play. And, and, and I think when you get in Michelle to, to a game like this, um, you know, uh, you wonder how does team, how do people respond? How do players respond when something goes wrong? When adversity hits, 
how do you respond, whether it's on the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side of the football. And so I think that uncertainty is prevalent across the board in, in, in all sports when you're playing the first game. Mike Kelly with us on 101 ESPN. Mike, what do you feel like you know about the Tigers heading into this game? Well, um, I think I, I, I think the quarterback – I'm anxious to see, and maybe I'm not answering this correctly, Randy, so I apologize. I think Connor Bazelakin is a better position this year as the starting quarterback having one season under his belt, but also having his first full offseason to work with his quarterback coach, who also happens to be his um, offensive coordinator and also his head football coach in Eli Drinkwitz. Um I think the quarterback position is very, very important in terms of the amount of time you have to spend, you know, watching film and spend with 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 those that 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 help you along, whether it be a an Eli Drinkwitz or or, or maybe a point or two from from others on that on that staff. Um, and so I think I think the game will be will will be slower for Connor this year than it was last year. Um, you know, I think the offensive line. Um, is is better if Hiron White can stay healthy, um, and I'm also kind of anxious to see, um, you know, on the left side Javon Foster because he replaces, you know, he he, he played a little bit there last year. Hiron White White replaces Larry Borum who's with the Chicago Bears. Um, Missouri needs to find a playmaker or needs needs production at tight end. Um, I'm anxious to see if if Mookie Cooper. Uh, can play this week after having a having a, a, a lower leg injury during during camp. Uh, on the defensive side of the football, I'm, I'm, I, I I believe Missouri's defensive line is better. I know that their scheme is much better than it was a year ago under Steve Wilkes as opposed to under Ryan Walters last year. Um, and I think Missouri will have more takeaways than they had each of the last two seasons. But you know, I mean coach speak, but it all starts up front, right? And, and, and Missouri likes to use the tag D-line zoo. Mm-hmm. Missouri hasn't been D-line zoo, D-line zoo since Craig Kuligoski left. So can they return to that form in, in terms of having having players that, that, play, um, that play behind the line of scrimmage? Mike, you were just listing some players that you were intrigued by. Who's one player that maybe he's a younger player or someone that didn't have a prominent role last year that you think is going to be the player to watch for Tigers fans? Well, I think, you know, Michelle, I think Dominic Lovett from from East St. Louis, uh, you know, played at East St. Louis Senior. I think he, he, he says his hometown is from Belleville, but I think Dominic Lovett's a guy. That, that I think has got an opportunity to, 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 to be a playmaker on the offensive side of the football. I think Elijah Young, uh, running back. Uh, I mentioned Mookie Cooper. Uh, B.J. Harris is a kid that, that's a running back from Tennessee that, that got a lot of uh, reps during camp. Um, you know, on the defensive side of the football, um, you know, I, I just think Trajan, and he's a returner, but uh, Mackie Wingo, the kid from DeSmet. You know, in the two deep. Um, so, you know, he's going to get a chance to play uh, on Saturdays. They rotate guys in and out. Mike, you've been broadcasting Mizzou for a long time, and I think we can both agree that as a head coach, Gary Pinkle was a difference maker for the program. Barry Odom, the, the statistics and the records say not so much. 
we all, I think, believe that Eli Drinkwitz is a difference maker as a head coach. From what you have observed, and I know how you feel about him, but why can he be a difference maker as a head coach? I think he, I think as energetic as as he is, I, I think that's that's a huge that's a huge plus. I, I think he's innovative. I think he's creative. Um, he's not afraid, right, to take on challenges. Um, you know, part of Gary Pinkle's uh, success that he doesn't get enough credit for is his unwillingness to take no for an answer from those that he answered to, whether it be the director of athletics or others. If, if Gary Pinkle felt to build his program, they needed to do X, he was bound and determined to get that done. Eli Drinkwitz is the same way. He needed an, an indoor practice facility. It's going to happen. Um, you know, he is, uh, uh, his coaching staff is, you know, you've got two former head coaches, former NFL head coaches, Steve Wilkes and Scott Linehan that are part of the staff. I mean, that's huge. Um, I, I just, I just love his makeup. I love his energy. I love his intelligence. Uh, he's very, very creative and innovative. Uh, certainly saw that a little bit from an offensive standpoint. I think you're going to see even more of that. But he's a guy that, that you know, from a, from a staff standpoint and from a program standpoint, um, has everybody on the same page. And he got them there very, very early. Um, and I suggest, Randy, and, and you and I have talked about this off the air, you know, he went five and five in his first year playing an all SEC schedule um, with a lot of distractions along the way, and I'd suggest that's one of the one of the better, if not the best, first year job that anyone's done in Missouri. Given the set of circumstances and given the competition they played. So with that being the case, let's just take a look at this from from ten thousand feet, because. We feel like we know the quarterback. I'm with you there. The offensive line, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be better. I, I like Steve Wilkes a lot. So when we look at this from a, a macro view, I, I expect Mizzou to be pretty good. What should we expect this team to be over the course of a dozen games? Well, you know, you, you, the caveat is always right. You have to stay healthy. Stay healthy, if right. White's, if Iron White's shoulder stays stays healthy. He missed it all last year because he had to have shoulder surgery. If you can keep him with that shoulder intact, that helps you a great deal. I do think that they're, that they're developing depth on the offensive side of the football up front. Um, I think the first four weeks are incredibly important. I really do because, you know, Central Michigan, as I said, they come in here not scared. They're not going to be scared about Furrow Field and Columbia. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Missouri goes on the road to Kentucky. Kentucky fans are seeing the same thing that Missouri fans are seeing. This is this is a really, really important game early in the season. Um, come home to SEMO, but then you go to Boston College. And you know what? I'm telling you, being on the road, uh, playing a team that, that many people think could be a sleeper in the ACC uh, based on a variety of factors, the quarterback, Turkovich, and who's a transfer from Notre Dame and other things. I think the first four games are, are, are incredibly intriguing and also important because it gives you the opportunity to get off to a great start, um, you know, and to, 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 to be able to build momentum as you go. And we know how Missouri fans are, right? What, what happens as you win one? People get excited. Mm-hmm. Win two, people get a little bit more excited. You win three, huh? You win four. Let's go check this out. So that maybe that's the difference, um, you know, 
to to finally you know get the crowd to you know perhaps approaching a sellout. I, uh, those are among the things I'm interested to see. Mizzou, a 14-point favorite, 3 o'clock game on Saturday. You can hear it on the Tiger Network on the Big 550 here in St. Louis. Mike Kelly will have the call, and I will be there, Mike, and I am going to invade your booth. <laughs> I hope you do. Uh, it's always great to see you. Michelle, it's great to talk to you. Plenty of tickets available, 1-800-CAT-PAWS. How about that? That's <laughs> great. We, we hope people get out there. Thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll see you Saturday. Y'all have a great day. You too. See you later. That is Mike Kelly, longtime voice of the Tigers here on 101 ESPN. You're going to have a great time this weekend. Yeah, it's fun. I always like going in that booth and seeing Mike and Howard Richards and just seeing all my, our Dave Matter, who's a regular guest of ours, and uh, Gabe DeArmond, all the Mizzou people is always fun. And just to walk through the parking lot and see all of uh, my St. Louis friends that tailgate at Mizzou. That's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. And like Mike said, that's a big first four weeks in addition to Central Michigan. Here's the thing. You start 4-0 with Central Michigan, Kentucky, SEMO, and Boston College. Then you have Tennessee, who you should beat, and North Texas before you face Texas A&M. So theoretically, and there are a lot of potholes along the way, but they could start 6-0. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, The Fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to The Fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning It's time for the fight, the Wednesday edition of the fight here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 837. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, which is an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brian is going to take on Randy today. What's up, Brian? Not much. How, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Are you ready to challenge Randy in a sports trivia competition this morning? I'm going to give my best. Um, are you, what's your favorite sport, I should say, Brian? What, what do you feel like you have the most expertise in? I would say baseball. Okay. Well, you have two baseball questions. Two baseball questions, two football questions today. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. All right, let's go. Question number one. Dolphins quarterback and Carriker and Smallman quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, attended St. Louis High School in Honolulu, Hawaii, which is the same school as which future Heisman Trophy winner and NFL quarterback? Was it Jameis Winston, Joe Burrow, or Marcus Mariota? Uh, Marcus Mariota. On this day in 2019, Astros right-hander Justin Verlander struck out 14 batters as he threw his third career no-hitter. Who has thrown the most no-hitters in MLB history? Is it Sandy Koufax, Cy Young, or Nolan Ryan? Uh, Nolan Ryan. Question number three for you, Brian. On this day in 2006, Roger Goodell began his tenure as the fifth commissioner in NFL history. Who was the first? Was it Elmer Layden, Pete Rozelle, or Jim Thorpe? Can you repeat those questions again? Sure. Yeah, the answers. Sure. So the question is, who is the first commissioner in NFL history? Is it Elmer Layden, Pete Rozelle, or Jim Thorpe? Uh, Who's the second one? Pete Rozelle? Yeah. Okay. On this day in 1998, former Cardinal J.D. Drew made his MLB debut for St. Louis. 
which team drafted the 1997 Golden Spikes winner second overall? Was it the Cardinals, the Phillies, or the Braves? The Phillies. Okay, checking our score. Waving in Randy. I don't know where he is today, but he's going to come in in a second. Brian, where are you from? Um, I actually was born born in St. Louis, but I, I reside in uh, Boulder Creek, uh, Kentucky now. Kentucky. So we were looking at your area code and wondering where that might be. So you're streaming us, I'm assuming. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Very cool. Every morning. I love that. Thank you, Brian. We appreciate you. So, uh, Randy, say good morning to Brian, who's streaming us from Kentucky. Oh, uh, Brian, great to have you with us. What city in Kentucky are you? Uh, Bowling Green, the home of the Corvette. Okay, yeah, absolutely. We know that very well. I didn't know that was the home of the Corvette. St. Louis used to be the home of the Corvette and then got moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky. That's correct. Yeah. Why was St. Louis the home of the Corvette? That's where it was uh, manufactured? Wow, wow. Very cool. Okay, Randy, are you ready? Ready. And I just want to let you know, Brian did a great job. Okay, good. Okay. Question number one, Dolphins quarterback and our quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. Mm -hmm. You'll love this, Randy. He attended St. Louis High School. St. Louis High School in Honolulu, Hawaii. It's like it was written in the stars for him to be our quarterback. Well, that's the same school as which future Heisman Trophy winner and NFL quarterback? Which future NFL quarterback? So, uh, future Future Heisman Trophy winner and NFL quarterback. Okay. Uh, That's not Tua. So that school developed another. Who went to high school with Tua or at the same high school? I'm a modder. Let me think about this. Uh, Hawaiian Heisman Trophy winner. The only one I can think of is Marcus Mariotto. So I'll go with him. On this day in 2019, Astros right-hander Justin Verlander struck out 14 batters as he threw his third career no-hitter. Who has thrown the most no-hitters in MLB history? I believe that record is still seven by Nolan Ryan. On this day in 2006, Randy, your guy, Roger Goodell, he mm-hmm. began his tenure as the fifth commissioner in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Who was the first? Burt Bell, Eagles owner. And on this day in 1998, former Cardinal J.D. Drew made his MLB debut for St. Louis. Which team drafted the 1997 Golden Spikes winner second overall? That would be the Philadelphia Phillies. All right. Brian and Randy tied. Both of you tied. You got three correct. Mm. You guys both got the same one incorrect, but we're going to get to that in a second. So we're going to the tiebreaker. It's a tiebreaker round. Brian, here is how this is going to work. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write his answer down as I'm reading it on... Yep, he still has the same piece of paper. Edward Jones Dome. Shout out. And you're going to get first crack at this. We're going to give you about 10 seconds to reveal your answer. Then Randy will share with us what he wrote down on his on his Edward Jones Dome sheet of paper there. First to get it correct or closest to the pin wins it all. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. Randy, are you ready? I am ready, Michelle. Okay. Brian and Randy, here is your tiebreaker question. How many times were the 2008 Cardinals hit by a pitch in the regular season? The 2008 Cardinals? 2008. Okay, this is not a playoff team. Okay. How many times were the 2008 Cardinals hit by a pitch in the regular season? Okay, this is very interesting. (laughs) This is trivia. Okay, I am going to just write down... That was not a prolific offensive squad, as I recall. I'm trying to remember who played on that <laughs> squad. 
Uh, you have to dig in the archives here. Yeah. So I'm going to say that. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just I'm, oh, okay. I'm writing this down. Because okay. I have your answer. Brian, do we have yours? Let's go with 58. No, no, no. You know what? 50. 50. And Randy, your answer is? I went non-aggressive. I went 20, that they didn't dig in much. Man, this was close. This was close. Emily, ring it. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Congratulations, Brian. You defeated Randy on the tiebreaker question. You were closest to the pin. Before we reveal that answer, let's start from the top. So our guy, Tua Tungavailoa, Dolphins quarterback, Carriker and Swamo quarterback, he attended St. Louis High School in Honolulu, Hawaii, which is the same high school that Marcus Mariota attended, a future Heisman Trophy winner and NFL quarterback. Nolan Ryan has thrown the most no-hitters in MLB history with seven. The first commissioner in NFL history was Elmer Layden, 1941 to 1946. And the team that drafted J.D. Drew second overall was the Philadelphia Phillies. So Brian and Randy both got three correct, which led us to the tiebreaker question, which was how many times were the 2008 Cardinals hit by a pitch in the regular season? Surprise, neither one of you got that one right on the Mm -hmm. nose. But Brian guessed 50, Randy guessed 20 the correct answer is 42 mm. so brian was closer to the pin he advances so congratulations on your victory brian and we will talk to you again tomorrow one step closer towards the hall of fame yes ma'am i need to give a shout out real quick real quick if that's okay yeah, yeah absolutely sure. go for it. you've earned it all right uh shout out to my to my boys that are listening also uh also my brother as well uh what are your boys and your brother's names uh the uh uh, Joseph, Philip, Adam, and Tyler, and my my brother who serves in the U.S. Navy, uh, Clint. Oh, well, right. thank that. Well, thank you to them for listening, and thank you to Clint for his service. Absolutely, and Brian. Congratulations again, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, thank you. Thanks, Brian. Hey, folks, don't forget to sign up for the Pick'em Challenge at 101ESPN.com. You can make your picks each week and see if you can beat the Fast Lane and Matt Holiday, plus the Riz Show. The top score each week gets a $50 gift card to Snooks and a Bud Light prize pack of football swag. The Fast Lane and the Riz Show throwing down all season long. And the Pick'em Challenge, get signed up now by going to 101ESPN.com, courtesy of Bud Light and Snooks Rewards. Yes, Michelle. That's on my list of things to do for today. I was supposed to do it yesterday, got tied up, but today, in between innings, that's what I'm doing, signing up. Good idea. Coming up next, somebody had the audacity to determine that Gritty was not the best mascot in hockey. What? But at least they did say Louie was number four. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs) It is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And Michelle, a, an outfit in Canada has decided that uh, they want to find out who the top mascot in hockey is. It's called PlayCanada.com, and they surveyed 2,000 hockey fans in Canada and the United States of America to determine who the top mascot is. Okay. And we, we get this email, and I think you and I both felt, okay, we're going to open the email, and what are we going to see? 
Gritty sitting at the top of the rankings. Absolutely. And then the next question is, where does Louis fall? Right. Well, top five, top ten. Yeah, the stunner for me was that Gritty wasn't in the top five. Gritty wasn't in the top ten. Gritty wasn't in the top 20. Gritty's number 23. Ooh. 23, which is shocking to me. He was voted, Gritty was, the most obnoxious mascot. Okay. Now, that's bad for Gritty, bad for Philadelphia fans, but there is good news for Blues fans. The number one mascot, as voted on by Play Canada, and this might be a biased thing, it's Carlton the Bear in Toronto, who oh. I wouldn't know if I saw walking down the street the other way. I would never know Carlton the Bear, and the fact that PlayCanada.com had Carlton as number one, this thing is rigged, throw it out. Totally. Buffalo's Sabretooth was number two. At least they got something going for him. Mm. Arizona's Howler the Coyote, number three. At least they got something going for him. Mm. Louie, number four. Okay, Louie was robbed. If those three are his competition, he should be at the top of this list. Yeah. The one mascot. Now, no, I have selfies with two NHL mascots. I have a selfie with Louie, and I have a selfie with the Oilers mascot, Hunter, who may be the scariest mascot in the National Hockey League. Following Louie, by the way, was Slapshot from Washington, Bailey from the Kings, the uh, Wild Wing from Anaheim, Carolina's Stormy, Nashville's Nash, G-N-A-S-H, and Minnesota's Nordy, kind of like a, a Nordic type of thing. G-N-A-S-H, Nash. Nash, yeah. So gnashing of teeth. It happens on a regular basis. I understand why Gritty might be named the most obnoxious mascot because we've seen his behavior. He can be very obnoxious at times. However, I think if you were to take an entire all-encompassing vote from NHL fans, they would say Gritty has been the NHL mascot that has gotten the most pub. He's the one that's making the most headlines and I would say is probably the most recognizable. And if you put all of those things into play, that makes him the best mascot. Yeah. Maybe the most recognizable in all of sports, really. Yeah. When you think about it, because... Is there a baseball mascot that really stands out? There's no football mascot. The Philly Fanatic. Philly Fanatic, yeah, would be up there. Fred Bird. Well, certainly. (sighs) Come on. Yeah, top of the list. And congratulations to Louie. I did send an email, by the way, to the man that uh, sent us the original email asking if he was stunned that Gritty (laughs) wasn't number one. And he did say, yeah, he thought that Gritty would be higher than he was. But for whatever reason, the, the fan base of hockey is not huge on him. For some reason, the Canada-based poll that was run chose a Canada-based mascot to be number one. I'm shocked by the results. Yeah, he he said uh, the gritty being that gritty being so low surprised me personally. As I love gritty, I think it's, he's hands down the best mascot in the NHL, bar none, and one of the better mascots in all of sports. Apparently, some fans find it more obnoxious than lovable. For a survey, we only ask fans to rate the mascots on a scale of one to five. So I don't have firm data on why Louis was ranked that high, fourth. Hockey fans seem to like Bears, with both Louie and Carlton being ranked in the top four. Now, Michelle, one of Louie's best friends is one of our great friends here at Hubbard Radio, mm-hmm. Carly, the in-game host at Blues Games, who's with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And we just wanted to get a little Louie insight here. Carly, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, good morning, Randy and Michelle. I'm well. How are you guys? We're doing great. And... Uh, just a couple of questions about Louie, because I've run across him. He is not quite, voc- I wouldn't say he's vociferous when he talks to me. Do you have a point at, at which you just have to ask Louie to, to shut up? Does he ever become a chatterbox? A chatterbear? I mean, yeah. it, 
<laughs> Chatter Bear. It just depends on what's going on in the world and what's really got him jazzed up, so to speak. Um, I mean, especially when he got his championship ring. He just could not shut up about that. I don't know if you guys have seen him wear that around at promotional events and stuff, but it, it's probably the biggest ring out of anybody. Um <laughs> He could not shut up about that. Whenever he got his new bestie, Barkley, he could not shut up about either. And now he just can't seem to shut up about having a TikTok and becoming TikTok famous. Oh, so. well, I'm glad that Louis is getting TikTok famous because we definitely need that to happen. But Carly, you mentioned Barkley, and I want to circle back to that because Louis has been the guy. He is the star of the show. He is the mascot for the Blues. So when Barkley came on as the official pup for the Blues as the Duo Dogs ambassador, was Louie a little jealous of the attention that Barkley got? Did he like sharing the spotlight? You know what? There was no jealousy at all. They became fast friends, besties even. And it was just, they they were just besties around the office. And Louie even made his TikTok recently um, using a soundbite from the movie Step Brothers. And it's probably the funniest TikTok that Louie has done to date um but yeah no jealousy just fast friends and they just prance around the office together just getting into shenanigans and people love these videos like on twitter or instagram when you have two different kinds of animals like dogs and and cats are that lay together or or bears and 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 labs (laughs) When, when, when they're best buddies people love those sorts of videos yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, they're, be- they're best friends. No jealousy. All right. So, Carly, you already know that Louis finished fourth in the voting. Tell us, right. because you know him intimately, why Louis should be number f- number one. Why Louis number four. Why would you vote and why should he be the number one mascot in hockey? Well, Randy, I'll tell you, he's not going to go out and start parading around in, you know, lingerie one day and then like a tuxedo the next day, gritty. But (laughs) I'll tell you that during the pandemic, you know, I wasn't in the arena for a lot of the time. Talman wasn't in the arena a lot of the time. But you know who was doing our job? Louie was. He was doing absolutely everything. He was the host. He was towel man. He was doing all of it. And it was hysterical to see him doing everybody's job. And I was able to attend one of those games just as a fan at one point. And it was so funny to watch him swinging the towel around to see him acting as a host. And I looked over one time. He was so tired. He was literally just laying on the ground. Nose up, yes, exhausted. I think he was taking a little bear nap because he was so tired from doing everybody's job. And that just shows just how dedicated he is. And I think that's why he needs to be number one because he's just so good at not only his own job as a mascot, but everybody else's job. That's very impressive. So number four this year with a bullet to number one next year. Carly, great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. And we'll see you at a game. Yeah, absolutely I will. Go Blues. It'll be fun. Carly is your in-game host for Blues Hockey and a great reason why Louie should be number one rather than number four. Yes. If Gritty is not going to be number one, Louie is clearly the next next best option. Hashtag LGB. Coming up next on 101 ESPN with Carriker and Smallman, could you abide by the law and could you be an unbiased juror in St. Louis's suit against the NFL? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. It's 904. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And today's big thing is a question. And we do appreciate your mic drops and texts as we ask the question. Now that we know that the NFL versus St. Louis lawsuit is going to be held in the city of St. Louis. So some of you that are listening are going to be eligible to be on jury duty. But regardless of where you are, could you be objective and make a decision on the veracity of the claims by St. Louis just based on the legal proceedings and the facts that are presented to you rather than by your emotion with the Rams leaving? Michelle, I said earlier, and I think this is my issue. I think I know too much. I don't think it's I don't think my issue is emotion as much as it is knowledge. And I think both are tied together in a lot of instances for a lot of people because the knowledge that they have about what was actually going down while the Rams brass was stating another thing to people who were giving the team their money and supporting the team in a lot of ways when they weren't getting anything back from a football standpoint. That's hard to separate your emotions when you know that you've been lied to, when you've been betrayed, Mm -hmm. and when your city has been incorrectly painted out to be a place that didn't support a team when you know otherwise. So because of the facts, emotions get involved. And if you were paying attention and you read the relocation proposal by the Rams and you care at all about your community, then there's absolutely going to be some negative emotion associated with how you feel about the Rams and the NFL. Like this one from the 314, I personally couldn't be fair. They disrespected not just me, but the city I love. Yeah, and I think you and I both fit into that that bucket, too, is that from that standpoint, knowing what the NFL and the Rams feel about us, and by the way, trying to get out a false narrative about St. Louis, that does kind of tick me off. Let's hear a mic drop. This is John who joins us. Good morning, Randy. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Emily. I could definitely be impartial. Impartial as I was when Pat Maroon hit the shot. <laughs> Impartial as I was when David Freeze hit the triple in the sixth inning. This is St. Louis, and the NFL stomped on our face. I cannot be impartial. This fight has just started. Well done, John. I think a lot of people feel the same way as John. Yeah. And I guess that those people that are, are, are... in charge of the legal defense of the National Football League generally don't care about St. Louis. I would imagine, no, they don't care about St. Louis. And the NFL certainly doesn't. No. Uh, Let's get another mic drop. And this is Pete, who's with us. Good morning, Randy, Michelle. Uh, Longtime Rams fan here. Uh, Whenever they left, it hurt me pretty bad, and I'm still not over it. Although it has given me... A new sense of enjoyment watching the Cardinals, even when they're bad. I just think about not having football and how much I love just having baseball. So that's my two cents. And I'm in on the tailgating. All right, tailgating before the trial. Michelle, I don't know if you feel this way. When the, It was the first time I drove past Rams Park after they left, which was a good year or more after their departure. And I looked at Rams Park and I thought to myself, and I think it's the case, I had Stockholm Syndrome. I started to sympathize with my captors because we had no choice. Our job was to be there. And 
I was that we were there on a regular basis. You and I both were, and we couldn't get away from it. But now that we are away from it, Pete says uh, he's placed more of an emphasis on the Cardinals. I've placed more of an en- emphasis on other events. Katie went to college, and I had a chance to go to her family weekends. I, I go to SEC games, uh, whether they're home for Mizzou or uh, whether uh, they're on the road. I like to go to a road game every year. I've, uh, I play a lot of golf on Sundays. I found other things to do, and I feel like I was trapped and didn't even mind that I was trapped by the Rams. By watching bad football that yeah. was going to ruin your weekend every week? Yeah. Yeah, you were but, trapped. But that's uh, but, what a sports fan is. A sports fan yeah. is trapped in a misery of their own making because, and especially when it's a situation like the Rams, you've had the unbelievable joy of having a championship team, and not only just a championship team, an electrifying, a record-breaking championship team. And once you get a taste of that, it's hard mm-hmm. to break away, no matter what. No matter how many Jason Smiths there are, no matter how many 15s and 16.5s there are, you always hold out hope for the greatest show on turfs. Yeah. And it keeps you coming back. And aside from Smith and Greg Robinson, I was excited about Cousin Adam, Adam Carricker. I was excited <laughs> about Sam Bradford. I was excited about Tavon Austin. There were a lot of picks. Todd Gurley, I was really excited. There were Chris Long. I couldn't have been more excited than when they drafted Chris. I was really excited with a lot of those draft choices, and some of them worked out okay. Other ones wound up being Cousin Adam or Ty Hill or Trunk Candidate. Well, Trunk Candidate was before that. But uh, the the Greg Robinsons of the world, the, the Jason Smiths of the world, yeah, there were a lot of disasters there that at the beginning I was kind of excited about. Think about how many people suffered with the blues. Oh yeah, think, but think about how many, how much heartbreak you endured with the Blues. But at least you, that heartbreak took place in the playoffs. Correct, but it broke your heart yep. nonetheless, and it kept you coming back yeah. for more every time. You just like I said about the Cardinals, you can't quit them. You can't <laughs> quit them as much as you want. You can't. Yep. Here is Steve O on 101 ESPN. Um, impartial juror, I guess so, because. Aren't the things of uh, financial loss and loss of jobs and all those things, I mean, those are part of the facts of the case, right? So I suppose if I listen to those facts and decide, yeah, they screwed the city over, then I'm being an impartial juror? I don't know. I think you are. And that was the basis of the NFL's argument for a change of venue yesterday, was that city residents that would comprise the jury would be concerned about a loss of jobs in the city. They would have civic pride, that they would be concerned about economic development in the city of St. Louis. And then the NFL was also is also concerned about the, the height of damages, the amount of damages that would be afforded to St. Louis, St. Louis County. Uh, and the RSA, which the NFL said is a 10-figure sum, which Ooh. is at least $1 billion. 10-figure sum. Mm-hmm. But the same group of people that they think is so emotionally invested in this case is the same group of people they said had no emotion towards the team and didn't support the team. That was the line, and it was the last line, of yesterday's hearing from Judge Christopher McGraw. He said, the defense position has been somewhat undermined by the approach they've taken in pretrial hearings. 
if they believe that they followed the relocation guidelines, then they believe that St. Louis didn't care about keeping the Rams. Now they're saying the city is so mad they'll punish the NFL. And I thought, that's a great point. Well, you got to choose one. You That's can, right. You can't have St. Louis either not care about having the Rams or really care heavily about the Rams. You can't have both. It's almost like the NFL is talking in circles. <laughs> Do you think? It's, it's bizarre. Uh, can I read you one text yes, before we go? From the 636, I can neither confirm nor deny my emotional attachment to the NFL as it relates to St. Louis. Also, F you, Kroenke. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Absolutely perfect. I love it. That one really made me laugh. That's funny. Uh, that's Michelle. I'm Randy. And uh, this is Carriker and Smallman. Coming up, our friends at Bomberito and Big Shark Cyclery have a great cycling event. You guys know that I love cycling. And there's a great cycling event, actually four days of cycling events here in St. Louis this weekend. And we're going to tell you about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and this is a great bike riding community. And there's a great event coming up this weekend. It's called the Gateway Cup, presented by Bomberito Audi of West County. And uh, Mike Weiss of Big Shark Cyclery and Chuck Wallace from Bomberito are here in studio with us to talk about the Gateway Cup. Chuck, first of all, always good to see you. Thanks for stopping by, and thanks for supporting bicycling in St. Louis. Well, good morning. Nice to be here again, and nice to see everyone. Thank you. And you are a cyclist like me. I am. I uh, That's how I got involved with Mike. I, I bought a bike from Mike, and now I'm four deep and riding <laughs> and uh, enjoy it a great deal. And this is such a neat event. It's nice to be involved in it, and uh, it's kind of a hidden jewel in the city. And, Mike, we'll start with this. Uh, Big Shark, Shark Cyclery has become the, the preeminent uh, bicycle store in St. Louis. Uh, tell us how things are going with your Big Shark locations. Oh, I think every bike shop in St. Louis right now is kind of held their breath during the whole COVID situation, but everybody's booming. I mean, the industry, there's, a, I think everybody's interested in getting outside, doing a safe activity, especially when everything was canceled. It was a big family activity, uh, and I hope it's going to continue. And this weekend, an opportunity for people to see some great bicyclists in four different areas here in the St. Louis area. Yeah, we're bringing the uh, Bomberito West, uh, Audi West County Gateway Cup. It's a 36-year-old event. Um, it's evolved over time, but it's one of the biggest competitive cycling events in our country. It's going to be in four St. Louis neighborhoods. 36 years, and it's one of the biggest in our country. And as Chuck was saying earlier, it's kind of a hidden gem. Yeah, you know, it's not a mainstream sport. You know, um, I think bikes and cars can get along, and Marito's all about racing. And so when we talked to Chuck, he uh, he lit up. So when people are interested in this, what sort of expertise levels will be competing this week? And I know it's professionals, professionals excuse me, but amateurs can compete as well, right? Yeah, I think of it like a fight card. We're going to start with, like, your, lo- <laughs> your locals or people that are just kind of want to – maybe they're, you know, really a passionate cyclist, but they've never raced. So we're going to have something for beginners, and it just gets faster as the day goes on. Also, they have a race for kids before the main event each night, right? Yeah, every uh, every day before the men and women's professional event, we're going to have a race for kids ages uh, big wheel through 12. Um, also, tell us where this is taking place. You mentioned four of the great neighborhoods in St. Louis. So where can spectators expect to see the races? All right. You get off work Friday and head to Lafayette Square. Uh, Saturday, We're going to be uh, under the lights in Lafayette Square Saturday. Uh, we go to St. Louis Hills in Francis Park. 
It's a beautiful park on Saturday all day. We go to uh, the European neighborhood, the Hill, for the Giro della Montagna. Uh, <laughs> and then on Monday, we finish it up in Bend Park. Very cool. And one of the great things for spectators is that in addition to the great cycling that they'll be able to experience is that there's all kinds of other ancillary entertainment items there too, right? Yeah. I mean, we're not going to sell you a ticket. I mean, it's a free event. There's going to be a beer garden sponsored by Urban Chestnut every day. Neighborhood businesses and neighborhood restaurants are going to be serving food all day. So there's going to be something to do. And Chuck, you, uh, Mike mentioned that cars and bikes can get along, and uh, that that's one thing as cyclists that we have to do. And I know at Bomberito, you guys support so much, but cycling really is a big part of the St. Louis community. It's uh, I'm, I'm amazed when I got involved in it how many people ride, and it's you know it's it's healthy. For me, it's fast. Walking's boring for me, so I get to get on a bike. I ride Forest Park a lot. The park's beautiful. You know, you can take your bicycle and ride some really beautiful places and, and get out and have exercise. Now, let's get to the, the best of what we'll see this weekend, Mike, because as you mentioned, we'll have uh, great riders from nearly all 50 states, right? Yeah, and beyond. I mean, mm-hmm. we're uh, we're actually really excited about a couple of the teams that are coming to St. Louis. Uh, we have some of the Olympians from different countries are uh, going to be at the race. So really? straight, straight from Tokyo to uh, St. Louis, we have a team called Legion of Los Angeles that's got a you know Instagram America's number one beast. Justin Williams <laughs> is going to be racing here, and then some of the top women, Skylar Schneider is uh, from the Midwest, and she's probably one of the top riders in our country. And if people want to, first of all, how long are these rides? Uh, it's every race is anywhere from forty minutes to a little over an hour. Okay, so. Can people find a route if they want to be along one of the routes where they can see the rides going by? Yeah, that's kind of the beauty of a bike race is, uh, you know, everybody has a box seat. Mm-hmm. You pick your spot, you tailgate, you can move around, you can go to the finish line. And it's uh, it's dramatic. And it's if you've never seen it, it's uh, got to be your first kiss. It's going to be good. <laughs> and you have been a racer in the past. What's it like to be on a course like this? You know, I, I started in St. Louis doing this event when I was an amateur and first time racing. And I, I looked at the pro event. I thought I'd never be in it. Uh, I finally got good enough to be a, a really anonymous rider and do that men's pro category one event. And being in it at the Gateway Cup was absolutely surreal. It, it was like, you know, your, your eyes were wide open. It was so fast. And I have a lot of respect for the guys that are at the front. Yeah. And Chuck, I know we all have a lot of respect for the people that fall, the crash. Yeah, that's why I'm going to be in the big wheel through 12 category when I ride. So, no, it's uh, when you I've seen the video. This is my first year attending. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to it. But when you see, it's like the Tour de France. They're flying. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're going around. And it, the neighborhoods are so neat because it's street racing. Some of them are squares. And they really, they really get rolling. And hopefully, no one's going to fall. And, Mike, as somebody who used bicycling as my exercise during the pandemic. I'm well aware of the fact that bikes and bike parts have not been readily available for cyclists for some time. And I know at Big Shark, uh, it's coming back. And if people want to get into the sport or if people need their bike fixed, you guys are there for them. Yeah, I mean, we're going to try. It's not easy right now to get what you want when you want it. But, uh, you know, there's always going to be a solution. So we're, uh, we're, we're here to keep St. Louis rolling. Good. The people at Big Shark are great at solutions. They, they do, they do, I know you do business there. They do mm-hmm. a great job. Um, employees are fantastic, and they've always got a solution for you. I, I've got four bikes from them. 
That's fantastic. And Chuck, I, I wanted to congratulate you. And Bomberito does so many great things for the community. But a couple of weekends ago, the Bomberito 500 took place. And again, it was a success. And we, we talk about this race, the, the Gateway Cup, 36 years in St. Louis. And uh, five more years now for the Bomberito 500 at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway. And that's really become an event on the St. Louis sports calendar, too. Yeah, we've signed up for an additional five years with the tr- along with the track and IndyCar. We're proud to be associated with it. And it has become an it has become a premier event. I mean, we had 45,000-plus people there, and the Cardinals were playing across the river. And, you know, more and more people. I met more, so many people from out of town, L.A., Oklahoma, obviously Chicago, Indianapolis. It's, it's drawn people from all over the country now. So congratulations on the, the auto race and now the bicycle races this weekend. Well, thank you very much. It's the Gateway Cup presented by Bomberito Audi West County. Uh, Mike Weiss from uh, Big Shark Cyclery, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, Chuck, will be keeping an eye on this this weekend. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we advise you to go to gatewaycup.com. Just go to gatewaycup.com for more information about the bike races this weekend. And they're world-class bike races that will take place in Lafayette Square, Francis Park, The Hill, and Benton Park. And you'll be able to see some of the best riders that our world has to offer. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals will play a doubleheader this afternoon against the Reds. We'll preview that for you. And then Adam Wainwright will join us at 945 here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. You can still sign up to join the Fast Lane in Chicago at the end of September. Maybe win your way in on the fun, courtesy of Walter Knoll Florist. Visit any of Walter Knoll's four area locations now through next Sunday, September 12th. Find the QR code in the store and get entered to win a free weekend in Chicago that includes a two-night hotel stay, invitation to an all-inclusive happy hour party with the Fast Lane in Chicago, a $100 gas card, and more. You can get all the details on this special Chicago trip giveaway with Walter Knoll and the Fast Lane. Now at 101ESPN.com. Michelle and Randy with you. And Michelle, would you like to hear the Cardinal lineup for today? I would, Randy. Here we go. We we don't do the game like they do. We don't make a game of it because we're serious here on Character and Smallman. I know in the past, you know, they say, oh, it's all fun and games. We, we aren't going to make a game of the Cardinal lineup. We're going to, because people in St. Louis take their baseball serious. Also because we don't usually get the lineup like they do. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Uh, so here we go. You've got Tommy Edmond leading off for the Cardinals. Okay. He's playing second base. Goldie is at first. Tyler O'Neill hitting third today. He's in left field. Nolan Arenado is your third baseman and your cleanup hitter. Dylan Carlson is in right. Edmundo Sosa making another start. Mm-hmm. Last time that Paul DeYoung started a game was on August 25th. Sosa starting again for the Cardinals and hitting sixth. Harrison Bader is your center fielder hitting Eight, uh, seventh, your number eight hitter today is Andrew Kisner, and Miles Michaelis is on the mound. So the Cardinals will send that lineup to the battle against the Reds. And uh, I would guess Yachty will play tonight. And I would think, Michelle, that there's a chance that Paul DeYoung will play tonight as well. In the opener, the Cardinals are sending uh, Michaelis to the mound, and then the Cardinals will... Uh, in the nightcap, go with. Uh, hold on, let me get this. Who's in the nightcap tonight? You remember who off the top of your head? I used to know, know because I had it on on a page here. Okay, you've got. Uh, 
Michaelis against Miley in the opener. Jay Happ against Sonny Gray. That's who it is Sunny. in the nightcap tonight. Sonny. And as we woke up and checked the standings, the Cardinals still two and a half games back of the team that they're playing today, the team they're directly chasing in the red. So two games today, two great opportunities for you to take advantage of your position. And one of the problems the Cardinals run into, Michelle, is that even if the Cardinals do sweep today, if they find a way to win both games, they'll not only be a half game behind Cincinnati, but they're still trailing the now hot San Diego Padres who right. won again last night and they're threatening to get back to what they were and they got shut out ball from uh, Blake Snell last night and if you look at the National League wildcard race the Padres are 71 and 62 just like the Reds and the Padres have won their last two even though they're only four and six in their last ten they've won their last two so the Cardinals are going to need to get on that roll that we've talked about all year long and they really have not had the ability they haven't shown the ability to play much over 500 for a significant stretch of baseball. And they're going to have a lot of opportunities to show that they can not only play above 500, but that they can beat teams with a winning record. They can beat teams that are playing over 500 because after this series with the Reds wraps up today, you have three versus Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. four versus the Dodgers. You face the Reds again, and then you have the Mets and the Padres and the Brewers again. So this, these two games today, critical every game should be critical down the stretch but you're gonna have some tough sledding coming up so if they could sweep not only the two games today but this series that would be amazing and not only are they still looking ahead we've talked a lot about who the cardinals are chasing but the phillies two and a half games back right on their tail as well and the phillies are capable of playing good ball they're starting pitching at the top of their rotation with zach wheeler and nola is capable even though they haven't done it yet this year of pitching good ball and they're in the East, so their schedule isn't overwhelming. Uh, they won last night 12-6 over the Washington Nationals, and they'll continue that series against the Nationals this evening with Nola going against Espino. When you have two top-of-the-rotation starters like they do, and Nola's he's not as good this year as he has been in the past, but he is a guy that is capable. Well, he was in the Cy Young conversation mm-hmm. last year. He's capable of winning any game that he pitches. When you have that... It makes a huge difference. And right now, the the Cardinals don't have guys, aside from Wayno, where you say, okay, I'm confident in that guy giving me seven innings and us winning the game. Not even John Lester? Maybe six and a third. Maybe six and a third. Yeah, Hap, maybe six and a third. Maybe. That's my hope. So, and I neglected to mention that the Phillies at the deadline picked up Kyle Gibson. So they've got a pretty good pitching staff and they can do some damage as well. By the way, the Reds lineup today is as you generally see it. They've got Jonathan India leading off, uh, Tyler Nakeen hitting second, Joey Votto, even though everybody calls him Naquin, including him. But apparently, Joey Votto said, no, his name is supposed to be pronounced Nakeen, they went to him and asked, and he said, yeah, well, that's the way my family says it, but we, everybody in baseball still calls him Naquin. So. I will never understand that, how you could have your name mispronounced for that long and it, it hasn't been corrected. Nolan Arenado did, right? People called him Arenado, Arenado forever, yeah. But 
This one is a little bit more egregious. It is, yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, India, Nakin, Castellanos, Vado, Mustakis at third, and Kyle Farmer at short. And then Barnhart behind the plate. The former Cardinal Max Schrock in left field and Wade Miley will be the starter for game one of this doubleheader. Are you confident that the Cardinals can sweep this doubleheader? I am not. I'll, I'll preface that by saying I'm, I'm not. Because of the Cardinals or because of the caliber of their opponent? Because of the Cardinals, and it's really hard to, to sweep a doubleheader, even when you're a really good team. And I just haven't seen it yet that the Cardinals are great. I'm with you on that. I do have a little bit more confidence in them, and it's not really based on what I've seen out of them, but that the Reds seem to be scuffling a little bit. And they've lost three in a row. Prior to, to that, they split two of four. So they've been on a bit of a losing streak lately. So it's... My confidence in the Cardinals isn't as high as my confidence in the fact that the Reds seem to be stumbling a bit. That's why I think that they can do it. They have really had trouble scoring. If the Cardinals have a one-run lead in the seventh inning today and Gallegos comes on and gets the save in the seventh, Mm -hmm. they have a one-run lead in the seventh tonight. Do you go with him? Do you go with Alex Reyes? Do you go with Cabrera? What are you going to do? If you need a closer and you've already used Gallegos for an inning today, and you can come back with Gallegos in the second game, too. It's based on matchups, right, Randy? Yes, it is. Um, I might be inclined to go back to him, too, depending on what we saw out of him in the, in the first game. And that's another reason why I have confidence is that it's, we're talking seven game, or seven innings here. Yeah. Less chance of, of your bullpen getting taxed, right? Yep. And in a seven-inning game, and I know this sounds awful because of what he's done this year, but I don't want to see... In a high-leverage situation, Alex Reyes in a seven-inning game. Now, if the game is 6-1, to one, well, we've seen him with a 6-2 lead. But if it's 6-1 if it's to one in the seventh, I'll take a look at Alex Reyes. But I don't want him pitching a one-run game in the eighth inning. I don't either. Right I'm not now. putting him in that position. No, but I, do, I need him. And I... He's got to be utilized in the proper way, too, because they they do have to they have a number of innings. They have a way that they're going to utilize him and they have to figure out what that way is. They do. And they better figure it out in a bit of a hurry because yeah. you're going to have like we mentioned some tough yeah. opponents. Or coming up. just like you said, shut him essentially shut him down and make him be what Daniel Ponce de Leon was. Mm-hmm. Have him be your seven up or seven down guy and. Just get him ready for next year. And have him, if, if the situation requires it, have him pitch three innings when you're down seven to one. And prepare to stretch him out for the offseason and get him ready to pitch next year. It's not a bad idea. So the Cardinals and Reds, two today again. And you'll see both games on Bally Sports. The first game this afternoon, uh, 12-10 start with Dan McLaughlin on the call. And then tonight's game. Uh, we'll start at 6.10 St. Louis time, so you'll be ready for that. Coming up, we're going to call Adam Wainwright, and we're going to talk to Uncle Charlie about this series and about how he's doing, and we're going to wish him happy birthday because his birthday was Monday. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line right now because Adam Wainwright getting ready for a doubleheader. The Cardinals and the Reds this afternoon and tonight. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. Good morning, Wayno. How are you doing? 
Doing good, Randy. How are you? Everything's great. A milestone birthday on Monday. We wish you a happy birthday. I know you were out of town, but I know that all those people listening on the app told you about it. How was birthday number 40 for Adam Wainwright? <laughs> Pretty uneventful, except for we won a big game here in Cincinnati. Um, my wife had a, a, a real good uh, cookie cake waiting for me in the hotel room when I woke up that morning and um, got lots of love from the fans in the stands, even some Reds fans, and uh, got lots of love on TV, on like MLB Network and stuff. So I felt good. You know, I, I, felt, I felt loved, and that's all you can ask for on your birthday. Absolutely. Adam, are you so sick of talking about your age, though? It seems like any time that we talk about you this year, we talk about how you're able to do this at this point in your career, 40-year-old birthday coming up. Are you so sick of talking about this, or have you embraced it? No, I mean, I think... I think it comes with the territory. I think when you play into your forties, you're going to answer the questions, you know, uh, and that just part of it. I mean, if, if nobody wanted to talk about my age or if they wanted to talk about it in a different light, now that might be, that might be harder, you know, like, well, he's, you know, are you, can you believe you're still, uh, out there competing sort of with a five ERA? you know, it would just be a whole lot different, um, than, than, uh, having to answer questions about good things when you're a little bit older. Adam, you had to do that a couple of years ago. How did you, because you are, and I, I wanted to ask you about your relentless optimism in a moment, but when we in the media would surround you after a rough outing in 2018 or whatever, when you were driving home, how did you feel about that? Well, there's a, there's a feeling. It's not just about uh, media or anything else. There's a feeling that you're, you're letting your team down, you know, at a certain point when you're, when you're not able to go out and play like you know you can. And, and what hurt for me in 17 and 18 was knowing that we were like one game from making the playoffs in both years, or really close to it anyways. And I was hurt all year and pitched like a dog when I was pitching. So, um, you know, that, there's just a lot of, what could I have done different? What, and that's a lot of the reason why I changed a lot of things. It wasn't just for me. It was because I felt like I had, I had let the team down for a couple of years in a row where if, I'm, if I know if I'm out there healthy and competing, then we make those playoffs both times. It's not a knock on anybody else um, who was taking my spot. It was just, a, it's just a, the, a true statement of, you know, when I'm healthy, I can do some pretty cool things in the game. And, and I uh, wasn't able to do them. Yeah, I tried. It wasn't for a lack of trying, though. I can tell you that. And sometimes when you're hurt, you just can't do things that you would normally do. And it's a, it's a hard thing to know, though, in our job, whether you're hurt or if you're just hurting. And if you're just hurting, then you can grind through that. But if you're hurt, it really becomes tough to, to execute in a way that you normally would when you weren't. How do you determine that? I'm so fascinated by that because I imagine there's such wear and tear on your body with any season. When do you know that it's crossed that line from hurting into hurt? Is it your performance? Is it a feel thing? Is it the medical staff telling you? When do you find that out? Well, it's, a, it's something you have to feel for yourself um, most of the time. But, you know, as an older player, it becomes easy because you felt all those things before. You know, you we look at sometimes we look at young players who who just feel like they've done something that's the end of the world. And you're like, no, man, trust me, that is, you're perfectly fine. You know, you're going to be, you're going to feel great in two days, a little shot and you're going to be great or, you know, get you some meds, you'll be fine. And sometimes you look at a young player and go, dude, you need to tell them, 
you need you need to tell them you ain't right because it's you know I can tell that you're not right and and it doesn't look good and 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 as an older player you know when you've just gone through so many things and you know there's times where I wake up and I go oh man that that doesn't feel very good but I know it's all right you know what I mean and and then and then uh, and then other times you feel great so that's just part of going through it part of understanding your body really well part of learning what you can play through and what you can't and uh, once you learn those thresholds you can you can push through a lot of stuff speaking of the age thing i want to stick there for one more second so we've talked a lot about you being a great leader and teacher to so many young players on this team they come to you for advice or come to you to talk about things like hurting versus being hurt what we're just talking about so what's it like for you when you get a 37 year old john lester or a 38 year old jay hap on your team and it's it's more veteran presence there do you ever pick their brain about anything do you ever learn anything from guys that are in your same age bracket when they come to your team you never stop learning whether you're learning from people your own age or people who are younger i I think that the healthy way to go about life is always asking questions and never feeling like you've got everything figured out. I mean, as soon as you think you've got the world by the horns, the world does something different to you and you don't know what's up. So uh, young guys offer new things and ways to do things that, that always keep me interested and keep me excited. Old guys come in. The, the thing about some of these older players is, you know, they've played on a lot of different teams. They've seen a lot of different ways to do things. I, I've played with one team my whole career. Thankfully, I, I'm blessed to say that, but I only know one perspective um, and one kind of way of doing things sometimes. And so it's always good for me to ask questions on hey, what y'all do with this or what do you do with this? Or, and, and we're always going over grips and, and uh, thought processes and all that too. You never stop learning though, Michelle. Adam, Whenever we have you on, I always have a good day because you. I always feel better when we hang up with you because you are so relentlessly optimistic. Here are your Cardinals, a game back on the loss side behind Cincinnati and San Diego. And I know there's a lot of people listening, and you're talking to a guy who hasn't always believed. I'm not as relentlessly optimistic as you. So what's it like when you're walking into that clubhouse today? What are you talking about to the players, and how are you approaching this September? Well, there's a pretty good feeling going on in our clubhouse right now. I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, it, especially because we're kind of sneaking on people right now because nobody, nobody thought we would even be close to this situation. Um, I, I looked just two days ago. We were three and a half games back, and our Vegas odds to make the playoffs were like three percent. And I just, I, I can't understand that math. Uh, maybe it's because I'm. I'm always optimistic, like you say, but, you know, if we win both these games today, what will we be back? Half a game in the wild card? I mean, is that right? Yeah, if you sweep, you'll be a half game back of Cincy. Yeah, and and somehow, if we become half a game back, which, by, which, by the way, when I when my birthday was the other day, I asked this team, I said, okay, I, I want to sweep. <laughs> That's what I want for my birthday. And if you don't give me a sweep, then I'll feel like you don't care about my birthday. Wow. Um, so, and I'm going to reiterate that point. And, uh, and we're, we're going we're gonna to see how much these guys love me. But um, somehow I think if we win both these games and we'll be half a game back, 
somehow I'll look at the Vegas odds and we'll have like a 4% chance to make the playoff. Right. I mean, it, you know, and that's fine because that just drives us even more. Man, especially me. I, I'll be <laughs> – let me look up there and see we got 4% chance to make the playoffs. When I pitch on in a couple of days, I'll be fired up. I can tell you that. So, um I don't know. I, I just think we just got to worry about what we can control, go out and win games when we got chances to gain ground. And today's a great chance, a really great chance to gain a lot of ground in this in this wild card thing. I hope Vegas continues to motivate you, Adam. I, re- I really do. <laughs> but speaking of motivating factors, we talk a lot about the performance that you've put together this season. You've been unbelievable. So naturally, we've had conversations about you and the Cy Young, the consideration there. And you've come close in your career. It's something that you haven't captured yet. Has that been a motivating factor for you? I know you set goals for yourself, team and individual, but has that ever been something that you've really circled as something that you want to achieve? Oh yeah, of course it's something I want to achieve. I mean, that's you know, that's a that's a big notch on the belt. That you know, when when I get an autograph from some of the great players around to get maybe Scherzer or Kershaw to sign a jersey for me, like I did this year, and they're like, "Yeah, three times Cy Young winner." I'm like, oh, "That's so cool. That's the coolest thing ever," you know. And and uh, and people are like, "Hey, you ever win a Cy Young?" I'm like, "No, but I got second a couple of times, and, and I got the most first place votes once, you know. But it would be really great to be able to say, or to be able to sign on a ball that you won a, uh, a, a Cy Young. I mean, I just it just would, you know, just being honest. It's that's you know, you play this game to try to be really good at it, and that's just an acknowledgement for being really good at your craft. Um, but it's not a it's not an, uh, a, a motivating factor other than that." If I achieve all the goals I'm trying to achieve, if I if I actually make it come to fruition, how my mindset is on the mound, and I end up at the end of the year the best pitcher, then that's a really cool acknowledgement of a lot of hard work that went into to being good at this game. So um, yeah, I, I would love to win a, a Cy Young. Um, I really would. I know that the uh, the odds are stacked against me, and I'm going to have to. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to get into that conversation like legitimately because these guys are pitching so good, but uh, it won't be for lack of trying. I can tell you that. Well, you know, we're excited about fantasy football and we advise people to go and sign up at bigleagueimpact.org and people can play fantasy football against several of your teammates. Michelle and I are going to have a team. We're really excited about that. And I know that that's something that, uh, again, you're very passionate about, not only bigleagueimpact.org, but playing fantasy football. It is. And we also have Pat Maroon joining us to play this year. So uh, if you're if you're not a baseball fan, you're just a hockey fan, or you're just a Pat Maroon fan because he's from St. Louis and he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion, come play with Come play with us because of Pat. I mean, he'll, we'll take him and, and, and every person who wants to come in and help us uh, raise a lot of good money for people who, who are in need across St. Louis in lots of different forms. And uh, that's what we're playing for this year. We're, we're going we're gonna to help uh, children with the, with the uh, Public Schools Foundation, St. Louis Public Schools Foundation. We're going to help kids through, through crisis aid and families through crisis aid, feeding them. We're going to help. Uh, the the crisis in Haiti right now that's going on with the feeding program. We're going to 
do a lot of really cool things through Operation Food Search with backpacks full of food for kids. And, and all that comes to fruition because of, of donors uh, who are out there listening right now who are generous enough and, and have big hearts and want to help us be able to help all those people. So fantasy football is just a side note on, on why all that can take place. But we, we are going to have a great time. Myself, Tommy Edmond, Lars Newtbar, uh, Austin Dean, and Pat Maroon. We're going to be hosting leagues right now. And, and, and if we fill up another whole league, I'll get another player to play with us, I can tell you that. So um, sign up on bigleagueimpact.org. Absolutely. Everybody needs to sign up. We want to get as many of Adam's teammates and friends to join him. It's it's such a fun way to help so many worthy causes. But as Randy mentioned, Adam, we have a team and we are soliciting some help from our listeners to help us determine our team name. It's come down to four. We have thrown a poll up. So I would like to get your verbal vote right now. Just a little bit of background. Randy and I are Dolphins fans since the Rams left. So we wanted the name to reflect that. So here are your four options to cast your vote for the official Carriker and Smallman Fantasy football team name for the big league impact league so we have to a legit to quit just the two of us to a fast to a furious or to a the moon a little nod to the stock market well i want you to know that because i'm faithful followers of y'all i have already voted on this online and i voted for just the two of us <laughs> that is what i voted for and uh, i think that's a great name I was wondering what what all the Tua stuff was about. Um, I, I know it wasn't because he was played for Alabama and helped beat my Georgia Bulldogs. No, um, no that no, could no. not have been it. <laughs> I was at I was at the game when he broke my heart. Um, who was it? Uh, um, Jalen started the game, kind of kind of got banged up a little bit and wasn't able to throw the ball as well. And then they brought in this freshman guy who was left-handed, slinging it all over the place. And my Bulldogs had a 13 nothing halftime lead over the Alabama Crimson Tide for the national championship. And I was there, and I was watching it, and I was counting my chickens before they hatched. And then with with no time on the clock and fourth and 20-whatever it was, two through that 30-yard touchdown pass to win the whole thing and that broke my heart so uh, just want you to know that that brings a little bit of pain to the to the game when y'all pick that name this is strictly a miami thing nothing to do with alabama and georgia because we love you wayno all right i appreciate it all right hey have a great time in cincinnati we always love talking to you thanks so much and again everybody go to bigleagueimpact.org and sign up for fantasy football wayno have fun today All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you later. That's our buddy Adam Wainwright. And Chick-fil-A is a proud sponsor of Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. Don't forget today you should stop by your local Chick-fil-A and enjoy an ice cold Sunjoy. Chick-fil-A donating a portion of the proceeds of Sunjoy Wednesdays to support Big League Impact through the baseball regular season. By the way, Sunjoy is their new name for the Arnold Palmer drink. Great job today by our producer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. And Michelle, this was fun. We'll do it again tomorrow. It was, Randy. I'll see you tomorrow. For all of us, Danny Mack is coming up. We thank you for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. 
TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.